Cheerios to me, let's stay together, a podcast about Fruits Basket by Natsuki Takaya. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kayla. And today we're discussing chapters 40 and 41 of manga, of course. <laughs> it's kind of weird because this week, last time we talked about just the one chapter, and then this week, for the anime episode, we're talking about the same thing, mm-hmm. which is not what I expected. <laughs> I didn't expect that to be happening. Mm-hmm. So somehow it ended up that we're talking about exactly the same piece in both of them. So today we're just going to do our, we're picking up where we left off last time, and we're going to do our summary discussion and spoiler discussion like we always do. So chapter 40 opens with, um, it opens with an author's note, actually. Sometimes I, sometimes the author's notes are just like, I'm playing this video game, but sometimes <laughs> Takaya says something and this author's note was funny and I liked, or like it's interesting. It says, having your heart shaken by a fictional character or being made to cry for them is very sad, but I think it's a good thing. I know it sounds negative, but it's really a positive experience. It is. I'm not making any sense, am I? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I thought this was appropriate. <laughs> so last chapter, just a quick summary for what happened last time, since this directly continues after the last chapter, is that we opened this. The last chapter started under the guise of being about buying a bathing suit for Toru, but then it ended up being about uh, Uo and Kyoko and their relationship um, and Toru's relationship with Uo in the past. And they all went to get soba together. At the restaurant, Yuki asked about how Toru and Hana met, and Uo told us all about her gang life in the past, and how she looked up to the red butterfly, and how meeting Kyoko completely crushed her dreams. <laughs> the real Kyoko. So that's where we are picking up this time. So we start off in the silver restaurant where we left our cast last, and Uo tells us about how disappointed she was when she met the real red butterfly. The Kyoko-san I looked up to had developed a total mother complex, she thinks. And Uo says that she was disappointed at the time, but it was her own fault because she'd built up Kyoko as this kind of like hero in her head, and that wasn't obviously wasn't how she was in real life. But even though uh, Uo was clearly pissed off, and she, you know, when she sassed her last time, um, Kyoko was smiling. She understood the way that I felt and forgave me, Uo thinks. We transitioned again to the past, back in time to Uo's memory several years ago. <laughs> so Uo's sitting in Toru and Kyoko's living room, and Kyoko takes the laundry off of the line apologizes for the place being such a mess and she encourages Uo to make herself at home and Uo thinks the red butterfly is doing laundry (laughs) like so disappointed and taken aback (laughs) by the way Uo-chan Kyoko says while you're here would you like some dinner Uo-chan she says and you can see like little fish in the background because her (laughs) her last name Uo-chan well Kyoko says your name's Uo-chan right so Uh, Uo-chan which is what she explains and Uo's like huh if you the kanji in her name the first one is the same one that's used for the word fish so that's why it was always represented as a fish if you didn't mm-hmm. notice that or get that know that from before so toru uh leans in from the kitchen doorway and she's wearing an apron she's clutching a ladle and she says hooray please stay with us for dinner uo-chan and then uo laments how easily the the nickname's already catching on <laughs> she's represented by a fish because she's the fish of the zodiac obviously clearly just like heroes the little shit Uo yes. is a fish. <laughs> uh, Uo says that she needs to go home, and then Kyoko pats Toru on the, on the head and is like, what's the rush? Have some dinner first. Toru's cooking is great. And Toru blushes and is like, oh, no, no, and like, denies it in a polite way, of course. And Uo looks at the two of them, who smile warmly and continue the conversation, and then Uo stands up, her fists clench, and says, no, really, I'm going home. And Kyoko and Toru look surprised, and Kyoko's like, why? Is your family that strict? And Uo's like, yeah, right, like someone like me could have strict parents. You can't assume that, Kyoko says. People grow up in all sorts of circumstances. I'm just disappointed, okay? Uo shouts grumpily, surprising Toru and Kyoko. To think the red butterfly turned out to be 
a housewife and a friendly hostess and a goddamn doting freaking mother. I can't believe I ever looked up to you, she yells. Kyoko relaxes a bit and then smiles. What can I say? It was time to move on. Uo leaves and Kyoko sighs. Outside, Toru chases after <laughs> after her, calling, Uo-chan, Uo-chan, um, you forgot this, and tries to give her the mask that she left in the apartment. And Uo grabs Toru by the collar and threatens her and is like, don't call me my name like you're my friend. I have no business with you anymore. Now bugger off and go crying home to mommy. So stupid. Your family makes me sick. And as Uo walks off, she wonders why she's so annoyed. She leaves Toru standing on the sidewalk, still clutching the mask. It's like I'm being pressed on by something, but I feel like I'm being left behind. What's wrong with me? Why is it bothering me so much? She imagines Kyoko's warm smile and looks down dejected. Is it because uh, because she was so damn cheerful, Uo wonders? I don't know, something about her attitude just... And her thoughts trail off and we transition to later. One of the gang members we saw last chapter, the one with dark hair, like dark short hair, um, asked if she got to meet the butterfly herself. Oh, I don't care about that bitch anymore. What the hell are we doing wasting our time out uh, here at school anyway? Another person in the gang says. So Uo doesn't respond and someone else says that. There's nothing to gain from it. The girl with dark hair looks pensive. And then we see the gang threatening someone later. Uo thinks, what was I thinking? This attitude suits me better. A place where I could fall as far as I wanted. Later, the girls complain about their families. My old lady called me trash. Said I was a disgrace to the family. Can you believe that? Someday I'll smash that pretty face of hers. And another says, my old man told me never to come back. Ain't it always that way? Are they stupid? They're the ones that made us this way. And you can see Uo in the background, kind of through a cloud of cigarette smoke, looking still dejected and kind of like dead-eyed. Like she kind of, it reminded me of um, the way that Kisa's mom looked in that mm-hmm. chapter where she, where Kisa showed up. Kind of like she's just, it's clear that she's really just like totally, I don't know, it is like she's hit rock bottom emotionally. Going through the motions. Yeah, definitely. And kind of distanced, um, kind of like all in her head, so... In a later scene, Uo, so like later, it's kind of, it's the next scene, but it's, I assume it's later. Uo announces that she's going home for the night, and the gang girls suggest that she try to borrow some money from her dad as she heads off, still looking like quite downtrodden. Uo arrives at home, and we see her narration. When I was in first grade, my mom got a new boyfriend and ran off with him. Since then, I've lived alone with my father. All he does is drink. Uo enters her apartment and passes a bunch of garbage bags on the floor, and she passes her father, who just stares at the TV. He doesn't look back at her, and he doesn't greet her. I'm used to it, though, she thinks. And she enters a room, which I assume was like her bedroom, and sits on the floor. Life sucks, but I'm used to it. She thinks about what happened at Toru's house. Toru and Kyoko smiling. She hears the sound of the TV in the other room and looks down, dejected. There's something about this image that I find really striking. This is like, if you watched the anime recently, this is the point where the last episode that we did a, did a, that we recorded about. So episode 16? This is the point where it like zoomed out and that was the end of the episode. She comes home and it does the scene. So they ended mm-hmm. on this scene. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of, it's a good place to end that episode because it's a two-parter. So that's the point where she really like hits kind of this like rock bottom of depression and dejection, right? Mm-hmm. And I find it, it reminded me also of the time when Kyo was like outside. This is during Valentine's Day and Kyo is, he runs off and he's like curled up in the woods and then Toru finds him, right? It just seems like like she lay, she lays back against the wall and her hands are like resting on the floor, like open. Like she's just laying there, like completely, I don't know what the word for it is, depressed, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> um, but it's just something about this one particular scene really struck me this time reading it through. So we cut to later. There are some girls from another gang who are beating up Uo, but she escapes by hitting them with a traffic cone, which is both amusing and also sounds really painful. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, she runs off and she passes some other high school girls who f- are freaked out by her. Um, like she runs through an alley and then she peeks around a corner and then Toru bumps into her, of course, carrying tofu down the street in the open. <laughs> There's a bead of shocked silence and then Toru starts to freak out and says, I crashed into you again and then apologizes. <laughs> Is that how you buy tofu? Just in a bowl? I guess you could. <laughs> I feel like I've definitely seen like even here, like I've seen... Just like, um, you know how you can buy like feta cheese like in blocks? Yeah, it's like, like I usually see them in like, in, blocks. in like uh, sealed. Uh, yeah, in like packages. Yeah, like plastic package with like a pullback thing at the top. I f- <laughs> Listen, I'll do research next time I go to the Asian grocery store. <laughs> but I assume Maybe it's, it's just like if like you a... get really fresh tofu from like the tofu deli stand or something. I don't know. That's what I mean. Like, maybe it's, like, it's... I assume that it's, like, some kind of situation where it's, like, buying cheese and you can buy, like, whatever amount you want and then they'll, like, <laughs> cut it for you and whatever. So. But, yeah. But the fact that she's just carrying it in open bowls a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Tori, put, put, <laughs> put a lid in that. <laughs> a good point, Kayla. <laughs> I've often wondered about that myself. <laughs> they should sell it in, like, baggies, like, when you get a fish from the carnival. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> and just a, like a Ziploc baggie that's tied. I bet there's yeah. other places in, in Asia where they do that too. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, she's just carrying tofu in an open bowl. Um, but the image of it is, of course, hilarious because then it like splashes up on her. So she's like dripping for the rest <laughs> of the this scene. So they hear, they hear the girls from the other gang calling out for Uo and she thinks, crap, I have to get out of here. But before Uo can do anything, Toru suddenly grabs her arm and drops the bowl and they run. Like they take off. Why? Uo thinks as they run. She just, on her own. And then they make it to Toru's apartment and Toru locks the door. And Uo immediately is like, why do you want to help me? Are you trying to make me owe you? And then we see Toru, who's panting and sweating and like shaking still from <laughs> from the experience of running away from a gang. And she's like, uh, yes, what? <laughs> and then she slumps to the floor and Uo asks if she'll be okay. And then she just says, please come in, which is great. <laughs> Still panting, she says that they need to treat Uo's injuries, and then Uo sasses her not to call her Uo-chan, of course. And Uo takes the first aid kit from her, and then slumps down to the floor, and then she notices the altar in the house where, um, with Toru's father's photo in it, and wonders about him. Like, she wonders if he's dead. I mean, obviously, but... <laughs> uh, she's just... I think she just didn't really notice or think yeah. about Toru. <laughs> it's like, we just think he's really cool, so we put up this altar... <laughs> He's just never here. <laughs> I think she just didn't notice it before. She's yeah. like, oh, is that her dad? Is is he dead or he must be dead or something, I think it says. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's just narration um, <laughs> of her noticing it. Uh, so she takes the, she opens the first aid kit and then everything is labeled Toru's and Mama's, which is really cute and funny. And then she's like, so cute. It makes me sick and slams the lid shut. So she hears the sound of Toru chopping food for dinner, and then she looks over to see her in the kitchen, and she remembers the tofu spilling earlier and wonders if it'll be okay, because it must have been for dinner today. And she picks up the remote and turns on the TV, and then relaxes against the wall. We see scenes of a neighborhood, and she hears some kids outside saying goodbye to each other, and the wind rustles the curtain open um, at the open window. Toru appears from the kitchen, she's holding like green onions or leeks or something, and then she invites Uo to dinner as well, and she's about to call her Uo-chan, but then she corrects herself quickly. Uo says, whatever, I'll try, it's just uncomfortable. And baby Toru looks a little bit surprised as she continues. I'm not used to this whole family vibe. I've never had it. Uo thinks, it's like I'm the only one that doesn't belong. It's uncomfortable. But she says out loud, even if I was used to it, I'd think nothing of telling him, you're not my father, drop dead. And she thinks, 
even if that damn father of mine cooked dinner and waited for me, I'd say, I'm not coming back, and this tastes like crap. And she continues out loud, that's just the way I am. What difference would it make if I felt that way or not? I'm the, still the same person. I'm still the same, aren't I? And then Uo suddenly tears up and thinks, what's wrong with me? I, they're so phony for me to be jealous of that. I'm so stupid, she says, holding her head in her hands. Uo-chan, uh, I mean, Toru says, concerned, and Uo's like, what? Toru smiles a warm smile and then sits beside her. Uo's narration continues. A town at dusk, the smell of evening, houses with lights in them. A house to go home to after saying goodbye to friends. Someone waiting for my return. A kind person who would greet me with a smile. Tears in her eyes still, Uo remembers Kyoko's words. What can I say? It was time to move on. And we see baby Uo with her dad. Like, baby baby Uo. <laughs> Not just baby Uo, but baby baby Uo. She's much younger. <laughs> with her dad. As her mother... Didn't I call her that in the anime episode? <laughs> I forget. We see little baby Uo with her dad as her mother leaves. And then her father steps away, leaving her standing alone in the middle of the frame. She thinks, maybe I was lonely. Maybe I've just always been lonely. And Kyoko returns and finds the girls sitting together, and she smiles and greets them. Just a little bit of ordinary, Uo continues to think. A chance to be myself and not have to make excuses. Maybe that's what I've been looking for. In the present, Uo continues, Well, now you've heard about my embarrassing adolescence. At any rate, it's Toru's love, she says, squeezing Toru. Love, Hana says, squeezing her as well. <laughs> that's enough of that, Kyo and Yuki think. <laughs> Yuki pipes up again and asks another question. <laughs> um... He says that she um, never talked about becoming friends with Toru's mother, and Uo briefly wonders if she should stop talking about this, but her thoughts are interrupted by the three Yankee girls from earlier. Come with us, punk, and come alone, one says. All the kids at the table stare. Let's bow this joint, Uo says, completely ignoring the, the Yankee kids. <laughs> the kids head out, so all, all our kids head out, and the Yankee <laughs> girls argue that they should have come earlier um, because they were taking photos. They were getting the photos developed. <laughs> I don't know if the youth of today understand. <laughs> they were like, the, the joke, they, they were like, oh, the develop, the photo developing place closed like at a certain time, so we had to bring yeah. the photos to get developed. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, they changed it to something about like could, not being able to get a good angle. Yes, exactly. The in the anime. Yeah, because she uses a smartphone in the anime. Which isn't quite as funny as the image of them leaving to get the photos developed and then coming back. But <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and they're still there eating at the yeah. sober restaurant. <laughs> Hey, wait, Otani, they yell, and then Kyo and Yuhi look back at them, and the girls freeze. And we see a final scene um, of Uo sitting with Toru and Kyoko eating together and laughing. And Uo's narration continues, I can't tell them the rest of the story. It's a little embarrassing what I was like after that. And that's the end of chapter 40. Ta-da! Yeah. Ta well, I said final in my notes, and I was like, oh shit, I, I just meant the final one of chapter 40. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 41 opens with the three Yankee girls still following them and harassing Uo, and Kyo asks if she knows them, and she says that she doesn't. Uo calls them posers, and they retaliate by saying that they may be just delinquents, but they'll build a reputation and they'll build an army of delinquents to be feared. Good luck with that, Uo says, <laughs> casually glancing at her nails. And they continue to exchange sass, and Uo thinks, man, I can't believe I used to be like that. I wanted people to notice me, but I acted like I just wanted to be left alone. And we transition back to the past, and Uo helps Kyoko pull the strings off of peas. It says, like, de-shelling shelling them or whatever, but they're not shelling them, they're just pulling the... Anyway, <laughs> it's fine. I wonder if there's a special word for that. I put de-string peas. <laughs> I feel like those kind of, the kind of peas that you take the strings off of weren't as common in America back then. I think so. I only knew about that after I started living with Mike. Yeah. So. Well, I got real into sugar snap peas for a while, so yeah, you don't have do to de-string those, but they kind of get stuck in your teeth if you don't. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, after I started, Mike started buying snow peas, so we have to help 
mm-hmm. string destring all the snow peas. I should buy some sugar snap peas. You really should because they're delicious. They are. And they're probably in season because it's summer. Yeah. So they're going to be extra delicious. Anyway, so, ooh, ooh, helps Kyoko de-string peas, as I call it. Um, no matter how old you get, you never stop being selfish, Kyoko says. Everyone's like that, even me. Even adults. So why do they act so high and mighty, Uo says. And Kyoko's like, wow, I'm sorry, which is great. <laughs> Apologize to the world for adults <laughs> being selfish. Uo's narration continues. After the tofu incident, she started going to Toru's house a lot. Kyoko welcomed her like family and listened to her immature stories. She really cared about me, Uo thinks. Now the de-stringing slash shelling done. Toru comes to collect the peas and thanks them. Uo asks why Toru always speaks so formally. Kyoko explains that Katsuya, Toru's father, was always polite and it rubbed off on her. But it's okay, it's so cute, she says, squeezing Toru, of course. <laughs> Before she knew it, Uo narrates, the family vibe became more comfortable, and she became friends with Toru and even started going to school again, because then she could see Toru even more, of course. So we cut to school, and Uo's helping Toru study history, which is adorable. Uo thinks it was easy to make friends with Toru because from the beginning, Toru stood by me. Whenever I was feeling down, I could turn around and she'd be standing there. The girls talk in the hallway and a teacher comes to check on them. Oh, Tani-san, what are you doing? What, I'm just talking to her, Uo says, to the teacher's surprise. Apparently no one around us could believe that we were friends, she thinks. And then we briefly see a scene of of Uo's gang plotting to teach her a lesson um, for starting to go straight. And the senpai who had been asking about the red butterfly looks concerned, the one with dark hair. We cut back to school, uh, Toru is shown a cooking class, and another girl in the class asks if she knew Otani-san are best friends. Eh! Toru freaks out, stirring the bowl frantically. <laughs> best friends? <laughs> Not, no, that would be too wonderful. It's such an honor. And then she's I'm like, like, no, you're getting air in the batter. <laughs> Maybe they need... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're making. It's a little bit... Un- it's just like a cup at the end. In the in the manga, it was a muffin. Yeah, I guess you don't want the air, air in a muffin, but... Muffin is supposed to be dense. I guess. I think muffins would be, but it could be like, maybe she's making whipped cream, but she needs to whip it really fast. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's not necessarily clear. Um, it was like a custard or something. But... That's, what, that's what I thought too. But Which I guess there's some kind of custards that you whip air into, but I, feel like I maybe... always think of it as more of a dense dessert. <laughs> Just like pudding mix. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, little, yeah, everybody measure the milk. And... Yeah, exactly. Scattered on the counter. <laughs> I don't know. I never took a cooking class in school, so I have no idea what they do, frankly. <laughs> for all I know, it could be jello mix. So... <laughs> I'm just like, I what made muffins once for? in, in oh, a cooking you? class in school. Blueberry oh, muffins. Good. We had to learn to fold them in. Whoa. Otherwise did you, you fold them had... in or did you smush them? <laughs> I folded them. Good. Otherwise, you just have purple muffins, which I don't think yeah. is a bad thing, but. It'd probably be delicious, but they, it won't be like, what's the word? They won't be so f- whole. You wouldn't get good points on presentation on chopped. <laughs> what if you told them it was like a deconstructed blueberry muffin? Yeah. And you make like a little, a little like round cake and then some like blueberry sauce in a cup and then like a little sugar crumble <laughs> that's sprinkled all around. <laughs> I'm the new master chef. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll be able to make mac and cheese. <laughs> I love, uh... What's the one with the like, like punishments that you have to cook with? The one with Alton Brown, Brown where one? he's like evil. But um, <laughs> there's something about how like he was tell. evil all along. Now he's <laughs> just showing. <laughs> um, I know what you're talking about. It's Cutthroat Kitchen. That's what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, that's it. Um, yes. But there's some like posts going around that said like you can tell like who got all the 
all the like worst things during the cooking round when they come to the end and they're like, yeah, it's a kind of rustic deconstructed. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'm finding my place. (laughs) Oh, they're in cooking class. Oh yeah. She's freaked out. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Proper cooking techniques. (laughs) I mean, what else is new? If, if people haven't learned that about us by now, then they should probably stop listening to this podcast because there's definitely going to be tangents always. (laughs) Um, so Toru freaks out, stirring the the mysterious substance that they're cooking frantically, and says it would be an honor to be Uo's best friend, and then she gasps, but maybe, maybe I'm the only one that thinks so, she thinks. <laughs> I'm sorry, she says out loud, <laughs> suddenly looking gloomy, and the other girl who asked her is like, huh? <laughs> In her typical, this is the thing, it's, it just, this just proves it's part of her personality, <laughs> this is the thing you talked about where she like yeah. thinks something and then says something. <laughs> It's just another example, and probably the best example, I feel. (laughs) Behind Toru, uh, some other girls in the class continue to talk to each other. There's no way they're friends. They don't go together at all, and the teachers are keeping close eye on them. Maybe maybe it would be a good idea to stay away from Hanto-san, too. She looks nice on the outside, but maybe she's doing some bad stuff behind the scenes, since she's hanging out with Uotani. And Uo, who is late to class, who's sitting in the hallway outside, hears this from the hall and thinks, I can't go. I don't care what they think of me, but I don't want people to say that stuff about Toru. I'm nothing but trouble for Toru. I should stay away. As she thinks this, she overhears someone asking if Toru's made one too many portions of whatever mysterious substance they're cooking. <laughs> nope, Toru says, smiling. This one's for Uo-chan. And Uo sits back against the hallway wall and smiles a satisfied smile. And then we cut to nighttime. <laughs> Uo is surrounded by the gang. You went out, they shout. You know the punishment for leaving, don't you? I know, she says. Then get ready to take it, bitch. One girl holds Uo and another one slaps her. Crap. Uo's narration continues. I was scared. I wanted to run. I wanted to run, but I also wanted to change. I never felt that way before. I'm through being like this, I thought. I wanted to change. I wanted to change because... Because I... And Uo is thrown to the ground. And suddenly, Kyoko appears. Ooh. <laughs> she stares the girls down. Kyoko-san... Uo thinks that she kind of like, I don't know if she passes out or whatever, but she's not conscious. It The scene just ends, right? So mm-hmm. so the last thing that she sees before she passes out is Kyoko showing up. Uo grunts and wakes up, and Kyoko asks if she's awake, and then Uo startles, and Kyoko is carrying her on her back. Kyoko tells her not to move. Her leg is injured, and she explains that one of Uo's senpais came to their apartment to ask Kyoko to help her. It's the it's the mysterious, short-haired, dark-haired <laughs> girl with the mole. <laughs> it was kind of in the background of the last couple of chapters. That girl, I like her, the senpai says in the flashback. If she wants to live respectably, she should. She should have the life that she wants. Uo has a memory of herself with the same senpai, and she looks even younger. Like, she looks quite young, I think. <laughs> maybe when they started, um, maybe when she started being in the gang or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they're eating those like toasted yams together. I was like, mm-hmm. "What are they holding?" It's like steamy. So yeah, those are so good. They're so good, and she's smiling. They both look so happy. That senpai looks really nice. Like, mm-hmm. and then she's just holding like a file. I'm like, "Does she work?" Like, yeah, it's like she looks like like business professional in that. She <laughs> does. It's very strange. <laughs> Maybe she's like a lawyer, gang lawyer, or whatever. <laughs> well, doesn't the mob have like? Not that I would know, but yeah. <laughs> just. Just their inside man. Yeah, really. She's their inside (laughs) lawyer for all their crimes. Or like, uh, oh, never mind. I was thinking of, I was thinking of Riverdale. (laughs) They have the lawyer for the gang. Anyway, listen, it's fine. (laughs) 
who knows what she's doing but she definitely looks she looks older than all the other girls and she seems like more chill and i feel like she is she's carrying something it's, it's interesting i'm not really sure what her deal is and we'll never know because she's like a one-off character <laughs> maybe she's like secretly taking night classes to try and get out of the gang maybe it says that she left which i'm about <laughs> to get to but anyway um <laughs> so they're eating yams together in this memory which is very charming but to leave your gang i'm shocked kyoko says that's amazing it's not amazing uwa says it just caused problems even for you, Kyoko-san. And Kyoko laughs. Not really. All I did was beat up some kids and run away. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you're lucky. There are a lot of people who come much closer to death trying to leave their gangs. You had a kind senpai. You were lucky, all right, she says. And then Uo buries her head in Kyoko's shoulder as Kyoko carries her. I'm stupid, she says. Unless I get hurt, I don't learn. That feeling, Kyoko says. We all get that. There's another feeling you get once you've fallen as low as you can, a moment of true clarity. When you reach that point, everything changes. All this time you've tried to keep away the beautiful things in life, but suddenly you feel confused. You begin to love all the beautiful things. For there to be fame, there has to be kindness. For darkness to stand out, there has to be sun. You can't have one without the other, and both have their uses. So even if you stumble and make mistakes, that's not useless. That's my philosophy. Uo begins to cry and Kyoko smiles as she continues. Think of it like fertilizer. Sure, it feels like crap, but it will help you grow. It's like one of my favorite lines from this. It's deep, man. It is. Yeah, Kyoko's lived a storied life. She's the only one who's qualified to be doling out life advice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sobs. I, I want to be Toru's best friend, she says. And Kyoko's surprised. A friend that Toru can be proud of. That's the kind of friend that I want to be. That was the thought that made me want to change myself, Uo thinks. It makes me want to keep changing still. Kyoko smiles softly and says, yeah. Thinking back on it now, I'm a little embarrassed being carried on her back and crying like a baby, but it did the job, Uo thinks. And we see Kyoko and Uo arriving at the apartment, and Toru, who's been clearly waiting anxiously outside on the street, looks relieved. In her pajamas. In her jam jams. <laughs> Tears well in her eyes when she sees the pair, and Uo and Kyoko smile, and Uo raises her hand in peace sign, of course. <laughs> it's really, it's very sweet. Uo says that people picked fights with her for a while after that but she made it through with Toru by her side and we see a memory of the two of them singing which is really cute <laughs> and she has a little bandage on her cheek um, Uo says that she never saw the senpai who went to uh, Kyoko for help and she heard a rumor that she moved far away so Uo says she never saw the senpai again who went for help um, and she heard a rumor that she moved far away so goodbye senpai who helped Uo <laughs> escape from her gang <laughs> good luck with your law practice yeah or whatever you're doing <laughs> Your night school. Maybe she's getting a GED so she can be a doctor like a Tori. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of the night school doctor thickens. <laughs> <laughs> so Uo also says, and then we see um, that she met, they all met baby Hanajima in second year of middle school. And we see a scene of the girls and Kyoko. Kyoko brings out a huge cake and you can see a banner in the background that reads, congratulations on entering high school. Uo's narration continues. Kyoko-san would laugh pleasantly, too, even though she's gone. She's not really gone, right? And then we transition to Uo standing outside of the apartment in her high school uniform now, in the dark. That the light won't go on in that apartment is a lie, right? And Uo looks down and cries. I loved her. She would go save a kid to whom she owed nothing, the warm Kyoko-san. A good person, always direct. I loved her. Uo-chan, Toru says in the present, kind of snapping her out of her thoughts. And turns out that Hana has started to do something with her Dempa to put pressure on the Yankee girls behind them. And Uo <laughs> tells her to take it easy on them. And then all the kids start to bicker about what to do. 
one of the girls from the three Yankee girls takes a swing at Uo, but Uo reaches out and stops her by holding her head, like <laughs> like you do with a little kid, which is fantastic. <laughs> and the girl keeps trying to swing and is like, why can't I touch you? There's too much difference in your reach, Kyo says from the sidelines. And Yuki just thinks, like, I hope they get this over with soon. I think that he also adds attack her from below. Like, he's, yes. like, casually trying to give her fight advice. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you should attack her from below. <laughs> All right, little girl, Uo says, while the other Yankee girls look on in shock. Break it off. If you want to show off, there are other ways to do it, you know. And you should really do something about that anger. It's ceasing to amuse me. But anytime you feel like being scolded, come and see me. The girl says nothing but looks uh, taken aback or maybe, like, surprised as Uo kind of lets go of her head. And then all the rest of the kids are like, finally, let's get out of here. Because they've diffused, Uo's finally diffused the situation with the three <laughs> Yankee girls. And as they take off, the, the one girl's eyes sparkle. Uh, with admiration, and she blesses and says, Ane-san, and they're like, Ane-san! <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a respectful term. As it says in the, I don't, I didn't check the uh, Yen Press one, but in the Tokyo Pop one, there is a little translations note that, translation note that says, uh, it's just a respectful term for an older woman, an older girl. Um, anyway, the kids all part ways. Toru thanks them again. She thanks Uo and Hana again, I guess, for the bathing suit. And Uo thinks, I can't see Kyoko-san anymore, but she left, she left me something. Her advice, her feelings, and Toru. They all become fertilizer to help me grow. <laughs> and then we cut to Uo's house. Old man, Uo says, stepping out of the kitchen in an apron, gesticulating with a rice scoop. <laughs> the doctor told you to lay off the salt. Oh, you caught me, he says. And then she's like, don't be cute and lay off the booze while you're at it. <laughs> the last panel that we see is three Yankee girls going through the photos, and the two of them are swooning over Kyo and Yuki. And the one girl is like, hey, wait a second, stop messing around. There's not one single picture of Ande-san in here. Who took these? And they're like, you did. You're like, you can just go see her again. And they're like, all right, let's start going back to school. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> Discussion time. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this, this chapter resonated with me more than it has in the past. There's something about it. I feel like as a as an older adult I guess you know you have there are people that you when you're younger you kind of idolize or you not idolize but people that you look up to and then you start to figure out over time that they're just adults and they have their own kind of like issues and whatever or maybe they're not the people that you thought they were and that sometimes can really shake things up for you I feel like I feel like I've mm. been through that personally it's just an observation <laughs> mm-hmm. I really like the scene where Toru just, like, instinctively grabs Uo and helps her mm-hmm. run away. Like, I feel like we see some of Toru just kind of, like, going forward and, like, helping people. It's just kind of an instinct. Mm-hmm. And you see that, like, really far back. Like, one I think of automatically is uh, when she pushed Akito mm-hmm. when uh, he was... Uh, Being scary. He was, like, I don't even know what... <laughs> threatening <taunting>. Yuki? <laughs> yeah, tormenting Yuki in tormenting. broad daylight. I don't know. <laughs> I like we go from taunting to threatening to tormenting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In the middle of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she says, even says, like, this is like, I did it without thinking. And she says she couldn't hear them. Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't hear what he was saying. She has an instinct for knowing when people need help, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that's part of her. It's established as being, like, kind of part of her personality. It's not, like, something she developed, I guess. Yeah. I also kind of wonder, like, how much she, like, knows about the gang life of her mom, where she's like, oh, that's not good. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Probably. I would assume that because it's like, well, but if someone's chasing after you and like, you know, that, you know, she's in a like, she knows she's in a gang. So she's not going to just be like, oh, I guess I'll just leave her. And she's clearly injured. Like she's like hunched over. So, but yeah, I'm sure that Toru knows because she knows all the stuff. She's like, oh, yeah, when you were active and you were whatever, she's using like the lingo and stuff. It seems like the specific Mm -hmm. 
sort of like language of the gang and so it seems like she's familiar with some of the things that went down which is interesting mm-hmm. i wonder how much kyoko told her about her gang gang days yeah i think we got our first name drop of katsuya mm-hmm. katsuya i guess katsuya? That would be, katsuya would probably be the correct pronunciation something like that yes i just read it so many times without actually hearing it because it never got translated yeah that's right animated rather <laughs> I think I guess it was in the anime this time too. Mm-hmm. We talked about this briefly. I might have cut it from one of our discussions, but I remember we talked about if this was the first time or not, or like if they had yeah. done that or not. Yeah, I never went back and checked that, but me neither. This so is now it's like very uh-huh. confirmed, obvious, because this is Katsuya Toru's dad. Yes. <laughs> so, in the altar, as Uo pointed out. <laughs> yeah. I guess on that note, she also one thing that's interesting is that Uo asks why Toru always speaks so formally. And Kyoko reveals that it's because uh, her dad, Katsuya, used to speak like that as well. Mm-hmm. And it rubbed off on her. Yeah. Which I guess doesn't really translate. So, like, I guess the thing that she's specifically referring to is, like, a a usage of, of Japanese that's more polite than, mm-hmm. like, people would normally speak to each other in, like, a family or a friend type situation. And Toru always speaks like that. Yeah, and I don't think it's. I mean, it's it's just something that's like, I don't know. It's like impossible to translate, really. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is, but it's just stated that that's how she speaks. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I've never seen a. I don't. I don't think there's anything that's like particularly formal about the way that she speaks, mm-hmm. especially because she like freaks out. At least like in English, in her dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they do some things with like how she like pretty much always uses uh, uh, "san" when first addressing people, unless they like that's specifically true. tell her to. Use something <laughs> different where her mom starts it. <laughs> yeah, her mom. Her mom starts it. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, Chan, great name." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kyo and uh, well, Kyo specifically was like, "Don't call me that." And then Haru was like, "You should call him Yuki." And then she started calling him Yuki Kun. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think even like the in the really early part, she it went from Soma San to Soma Kun, and then to Yuki Kun. Mm-hmm. So, Richan San. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any other like example. Well, there's the one time where she sighed and said "des," <laughs> which <Yeah>. is funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there was a little note that said like "Taurus polite even when she sighs or something," mm-hmm. um, which is I guess it's like kind of it's a yeah yeah, but yeah, not something that usually gets translated except for comedy. <laughs> no, I, no, and <laughs> I just think you can't because it's like yeah, it's really hard to. I can't even translate like that I, kind of things. Yeah, because it's just yeah, it's like a. It's just a linguistic structure that just doesn't exist in English. Like, I guess you mm-hmm. could give her, like, really, really long words or, like, have her speak in a more formal way, but it's still not really the same, like, tone. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's going to come off in a different way, I think, in English. So I think the way it's translated makes sense, but it's just, like, it's just untranslatable. So anyway. Yeah. Uo mm-hmm. asked about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like uh, moving to a different subject. Yes, yes. Um, you can move to a different subject. <laughs> I just thought it was a good time to bring it up. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I think Kyoko's little uh, like knowledge drop in this chapter to Uo mm-hmm. it harkens back to our kind of ongoing theme of the getting hurt and hurting others as part of growing up and yes, developing as a person kind of thing. Yes. It feels like crap, but it'll help you grow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Her knowledge drop in this is interesting because it's like the first time that some she herself is delivering the knowledge drop. Yeah. Um, where she's Yeah, because like, Tora didn't actually hear this one. No, Tori didn't hear it. Interesting. 
their inter- their whole relationship is interesting. I've been thinking about it more and more, and it's like like Uo really became friends with Kyoko first, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she became friends with Toru, but kind of like hanging out with her um, more and more, and then she she became friends with her over time. But really, she had a much stronger connection to Kyoko. Like she would come to Kyoko more to kind of help her with her problems and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then then eventually became friends with Toru. So. At least that's kind of how it sounds, and it's also the way that I feel like that was also something that was like clarified in the anime, which we haven't talked about yet, but mm-hmm. <laughs> which we'll talk about later this week. But it seems like that's kind of the way that this their friendship started. Mm-hmm. She she started to feel comfortable with Kyoko, who's someone she could relate to. Yeah, but it did start like really start when you know Toru saved her that time. So yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. The scene where Toru saves her is great, where she like comes in and it was like, "What you want me to owe you?" And then she's just like yeah, pant- panting. Out, yeah. yeah, she's like, uh, <laughs> "Come in." Yeah, like she's trying to like politely welcome her into her yeah. house at the same time. There's a little author's note, or there's a little note in there that says she's already inside or whatever. Toru's yeah, it's like, "Please come in." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very charming. Mm-hmm. Another okay, so one thing that I was thinking about, so. I keep trying to remind myself. I think last time we talked about this, it was very like straightforward. I was like, here's the things that happened or whatever. And we talked about some kind of overall themes, but just, and, and you just talked about the one of like, kind of this overall, always everything which comes back to what Shiguri said, that bastard that's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, learning to live with people and hurting them and getting hurt by them is, um, is an important part of growing up. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that theme, but there's another interesting theme that I think comes through in a lot of like symbolism in this chapter um, that I wanted to point out. So, like, what I think is that it's just a symbolism. And, Uo, I mean, Uo directly talks about wanting to change. It's a, it's about change. And there's a couple specific things that I noticed that are used as imagery. So, like, you have um, when she leaves the gang, the moon is out. I think, like, the moon is always kind of a a symbol of, of change and things changing, constantly changing, right? It's always mm-hmm. changing shape. Um, and the one thing that I I didn't think about until just this time, we've already talked about her several times, but mm-hmm. the butterfly itself is always a symbol of change, right? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of an interesting choice, mm-hmm. intentional or not, on the part of, probably intentional, but on the part of Takaya to... Yeah. It says, it's explained that, like, oh, well, like, they called her the red butterfly because her when her coat flapped in the taillights, it looked like uh, it was a butterfly flying, mm-hmm. but... You know, obviously, like we're we're seeing the result of this, the change that she's gone through, mm-hmm. of being, um, you know, in the gang and then becoming a mother and and kind of going straight and like being becoming this kind of like wise person that she is today. I think all of that is kind of like it's interesting to see how how much in this chapter specifically. There's so many we get to see a bit of like symbolism. I talked about it a lot in the in the anime episode that we talked about last because there's just like more opportunity to show stuff because there doesn't have to be space for like speech bubbles mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can have tech like words overlaid or dialogue overlaid over imagery so extra things yeah. kind of get layered in but yeah and i definitely think um a lot of examples are going forward but even just looking back at what we've seen now change and the ability to change and the willingness to change is definitely mm-hmm. a theme in this series definitely i'm trying to think what other things have have we seen already that is like well, I guess there's, like, all the stuff with Kisa mm-hmm. I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. I've seen Yuki, Yuki deciding to, you know, go outside his comfort zone a bit. Mm-hmm. 
And he even says, like, um, well, he says in that one chapter, like, oh, I can tie my necktie faster, and yeah. I can do all these things that I couldn't do before, and I'm trying to change. Like, he's definitely a representation of that theme, mm-hmm. or it's manifesting in him, too. Yeah. In all of them, but in, in particular him so far. Yeah. I think those are the most, like, obvious, like, stated ones, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of just, like, subtle characters growing and changing. Definitely. And, and characters, like, thinking they can't change, but they kind of the idea that everyone has that ability mm-hmm. yeah especially in this case Uo is like uh this is the life for me like mm-hmm. um this is is who i am this is where i belong but yeah. then after she gets to know toru better she thinks that she wants to change to be a better friend for toru which is mm-hmm. really sweet um. yeah. and she was always capable of changing yeah. she just needed the motivation yes and the willingness to change yeah. And someone to maybe guide her a little bit. Yeah, so the support to be able to do it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what she got with uh, Kyoko and Toru. Mm-hmm. Literally, Kyoko carries her. So. Yeah. <laughs> I she's like, it was so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, it's okay to be helped by people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all that I want to say about that theme. That I just, something mm-hmm. that I noticed that I, I was just like, I can't believe all this time... That I never thought about how the butterfly is so clearly a symbol of of, of change and so uh, closely associated with Kyoko that... Yeah. Also occasionally a symbol of brief lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Throw that out there. <laughs> the part... In the, this time when I was reading the manga, I feel like, uh, sorry, I, I, this is bleeding a lot, but the, when I was reading the manga this time, the scene where she, like, it really hit me when I was watching the anime... But the scene where she, like, they're like, and then we got to know Hana, and then Kyoko was there cheering us on, and it's like, the they have the congratulations for going to high school, getting into mm-hmm. high school party, and I was like, oh, no, 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 oh, no, yeah. no, no, like, oh, because you know what's coming, like, mm-hmm. it's so sad, yeah. and then she's It also like, made me think of how, like, really early on, Toru was talking about wanting to graduate high school, because Kyoko never even finished middle school, I think. Mm-hmm. And how she talks about that and so happened the congratulations you guys are in high school kind of party is kind of sad in that respect even without the knowing what's about to happen yeah that's true mm-hmm. it's the life that she you know she's giving them the life that she never mm-hmm. had right yeah especially like, for uo i mean for Toru, mm-hmm. but especially for uo yeah because she was almost uh almost went the same way mm-hmm. yeah she almost at least yeah went this even farther than kyoko did because she was out of the gang around mm-hmm. i mean after when she became kind of like around the same time yeah but after later than uo but yeah or she could have been a great gang leader and a good gang yeah. lawyer like like a, the other senpai it's <laughs> gonna be my new uh late night tv show gang, gang lawyer, lawyer. <laughs> so we have <laughs> what wait, what was night school doctor and gang night school lawyer. doctor and gang lawyer <laughs> We can start yeah, like they a... solve crime or <laughs> I don't they... know something. <laughs> well, it would be like a Dexter or whatever, where like she covers up the crime, but then she's like a <laughs> she's like works with the cops or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen, I've never it seen be Dexter. like a thing where they have like a thing. It's like Hattori treats the wounds from all the gang violence, <laughs> so he's like suspicious of this stuff happening. But she's like, I don't know. I'm just a lawyer. <laughs> I'm just a humble lawyer at night school. <laughs> we can start a like a creative podcast where it's just, yeah. whatever you know, like Night Vale style. <laughs> it's like the night school doctor. <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, uh, another thing that I wanted to point out is something that stood out to me this time once again is like the 
eating meals together as a piece of symbolism. So mm-hmm. again, so first of all, the all of these chapters, like this this whole section of Uo's like flashbacks is bookended by them eating soba together. So like in the current timeline of the story, Uo and Hana and Toru, they're all together and they've brought in these other people like Yuki and Kyo and they're building this kind of like found family group and mm-hmm. they're eating together. So put a pin in that because then in the past, <laughs> in Uo's flashbacks, uh, Uo so they comes Uo comes to their house and then Kyoko invites her to dinner and then she leaves. So we have like an interrupted meal situation. Then Toru bumps into her on her way home and then she stays for dinner that time. And then like progressively, Uo gets brought in more and more. And like at the end, they're having cake together, you know, and they're celebrating mm-hmm. something together with a meal, which is really interesting. Again, like I think it's just a another like manifestation not specifically of that theme but kind of around that theme of finding uh, where you belong which i i think is very strong in these chapters so yeah and also toru cooking her over whipped uh (laughs) (laughs) pudding food for jello pudding (laughs) yeah yes for uo being one of the things that makes her like kind of where she goes to doubting like oh maybe i shouldn't be doing this to kind of sticking with wanting to be friends with her so yeah like no i didn't make too many this one's for Ooh, that whole scene is so sweet it is everything about it is charming <laughs> i like an Ooh's conflict of being like maybe i shouldn't be friends with her you know i don't want anything bad to happen to her but you know Ooh, yeah. i mean toru wouldn't think like that so yeah also this literally just occurred to me um mm-hmm. but Ooh being like i don't care what they say about me but i don't want them to say bad stuff about toru just reminded me of kyo and kazuma yeah totally he's like Saying like, don't call him my dad just because he doesn't want it, his behavior to reflect badly on Kazuma. Totally, mm-hmm. I think Uo and Kyo are really close in character. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of similarities. There was something else about these chapters that stuck out to me this time. Well, I made that. I just said earlier the thing. She slumps against the floor when she's like really, uh, kind of like in the depth of her depression, and it reminded me of that scene where Kyo runs out and he's, um, you know, trying to, mm-hmm. like, um. He's also kind of feeling this a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. There's something about them that's very similar. Like they have mm-hmm. some similar kind of struggles and of feeling like they don't fit in and stuff. But Uo's kind of like moved past that, and Kyo hasn't, I guess. Yeah. I feel like Uo really genuinely likes Kyo. I think Kyo's a little more <laughs> annoyed by her, but <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just a little skeptical of everybody who wants to be friends with yeah. him, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why he's so unwilling to sit with them at meals and stuff like obviously she gets great joy out of teasing him but i think she does like just genuinely like him i think so i think like uh oh and hana they wouldn't put up with people who they don't think are a good fit for toru and i think like you know they've assessed you can kill long enough to think like they're well they're good enough if they're good enough for toru they're good enough for for them or whatever so um and to kind of see i get the feeling that Uo is the kind of person who can tell you know someone is genuinely a good can person tell how much not. of his bullshit is bullshit yeah basically like she probably knows that he's just like a big softy deep down inside yeah <laughs> but of course thoroughly enjoys teasing him she's like i know this act yeah i know this act because it's my act yeah <laughs> <laughs> those are all the things that i have to say about this episode or about this chap these chapters i think mm-hmm. uh so maybe we can move on to spoilers Sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> good. Benny and the chips. <laughs> Cold-hearted snake. <laughs> I'm going to do a mashup of all these songs. It's just going to go the whole time. <laughs> okay. That's it for now, then. 
So next time we're going to talk about chapters 42 and 43, which, sorry not sorry, spans over two volumes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. It's the way that Takaya wrote it. <laughs> you get to say goodbye to Hattori and hello to Haru. Yes. <laughs> if you're reading the Tokyo Pop versions. <laughs> yes. I don't know where the other ones break. Uh, I think it's all the same one still. It's Hattori mm-hmm. on one side and Momiji on the other side. I can't remember which side is the front. I think it's Momiji <laughs> on the front and Hattori on the back. That would make sense. Yes. Since Momiji volume was first. Yes. Um, do I want to say anything? This You can send us... <laughs> you can send us notes um, and asks and stuff. Of course, we love them every time. And I don't know. It's I find, like... So, the, uh, the Tumblr posts that get shared by people, they tend to get more attention. And every time someone shares them, new people are able to find the podcast. Like, actually, there's a significant amount of... Um, new followers and stuff every time one of our posts gets shared I find mm-hmm. like there's something about it that whoever's doing the sharing has a big network or something and so it's actually really helpful so if you if you can find Popular it in your people heart, reblog us yeah really <laughs> what I'm saying is if you're a Furuba influencer reblog us <laughs> what I'm genuinely trying to say is like it's I think that's actually really helpful like I don't know if people are able to find you know this content without it so I think that it it seems to be really helpful I can see the the big difference so yeah mm-hmm. i do and i really appreciate it um it has nothing to do with <laughs> has nothing to do with any ulterior motive i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i see one post that gets like five likes and then if it gets shared by two or three people then it's like so many more and then also like they'll be like i mean you see it too don't you because you get all the mm-hmm. notifications it's like five people will follow it and like oh okay great someone new found the mm-hmm. podcast it's funny when someone new finds the podcast and then they go through every single episode and like you see them slowly liking them over time, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yay, welcome. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. <laughs> yeah. You can send us emails. Um, you can send us. It's great. I love it every time. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you all for listening. We're going to talk about spoilers after the music and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. to talk about spoilers <laughs> it's almost like two seconds ago we weren't talking about spoilers but now we are you're always really entertained by the spoiler section i love it so much <laughs> like always come in like giddy yes <laughs> because because there's so many times that i can't have to be like mm, don't say that in the non-spoiler <laughs> section and i'm just excited that we get to make a podcast together <laughs> i know this week i've been having delays and technical problems and bullshit but i just i do really enjoy it so and i don't want to sound like an asshole who's like i want more followers but really i just i want people to find i want people to find the shit so anyway i get excited it's fine the truth is that i'm excited at the beginning but i feel like we have to like warm up so by the time we've gone through the whole discussion and the summary for the spoilers and it's like i'm really amped up you know the warm-up has happened Maybe I need to be going like me, 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 me every time beforehand or something. I'm sticking and you doing like stretches and toe touches or something. <laughs> I do power <laughs> posing. Yeah. Well, first of all, the scene I was thinking of with Kyo is uh, when you get that like flashback to him on the mountains with Kazuma after yes. the Kyoko thing. There's a scene where he's like sitting in the dirt. Yes. <laughs> blank eyed and stuff. Yes. You laughing at my... <laughs> Sorry. I forgot. I forgot Stop being a snake. A snake. <laughs> because i'm a snake (laughs) yes um yeah you're right you're right you're absolutely right 
He, he looks almost like he's in exactly the same position. I can remember mm-hmm. it very clearly. Kyo's like on the verge. Well, no, I guess he's been past that point. But then he doesn't have the... Yeah, he gets himself out of that hole by deciding he's going to go beat up Yugi. Yeah, which is not <laughs> which really is... the best approach. Yeah, it's like, which is a choice? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> it is one choice, that's true. I mean, it kept him going, I guess. <laughs> it did. I-, I think it fueled him with an unhealthy desire for vengeance, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Uo had a person to be like, it's going to be fine. You know, it feels shitty now, but it's going to help you grow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, poor Kyo. But you're right. That that does yeah. that scene is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's his rock bottom for sure. Yeah. Uh, another scene that made me think of other scenes <laughs> from later on is the one when Uo is like finally kind of breaking down a little bit in their apartment. Mm-hmm. And Tori just kind of quietly sits next to her. Mm-hmm. And kind of like listen to what happened. She does that a couple of times too. I can think of offhand our Rin. Yes, she it has a very similar scene where she just kind of sits next to her, and then like Rin finally like breaks down and like grabs onto her. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Tori cries in that scene too, which is also interesting. Yeah. Of its own merit, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a scene way at the end where there's kind of an imagined scene where she's sitting next to Akito in the same kind of way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, side by side with someone. Yeah. So it's just kind of, I think, you know, a lot of what Toru does is just kind of quietly accepting people. Mm-hmm. It's kind so of I think, being there for them yeah. while they have their freakouts. Mm-hmm. Just being present and kind and non-judgmental while they mm-hmm. have their issues. Yeah, for sure. It is her mm-hmm. her strength as a character in this mm-hmm. in this series. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of times where she does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're like framed in really similar ways each time so it made me like immediately think of those other ones mm-hmm. i feel like there's more like even her that scene i already mentioned before of her going to find kill with the wood she sits beside him while he has mm-hmm. this kind of like freak out and he's like don't worry about it doesn't it has nothing to do with you whatever yeah and she just kind of sits there and is like kill is bottling up so much inside yeah mm-hmm. um and does she do that with kisa i can't remember she kind of kisa's facing away from her but it's kind of the same situation and she talks mm-hmm. to Kisa, though, where... Yeah, I guess Kisa's the... mom shows up. Yeah, it's when Kisa's mom is there, and she, like, just kind of quietly is, like, talking there, and then Kisa, like, transfers back and is, like, crying and holding onto her hand and Grabs stuff. her hand. Yeah, bites her hand, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a deep dive on feathers. <laughs> I'm so excited. You mentioned this last time, and then you... <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. you want to talk about now? And you are like, no, I'm going to save it for next time. I was like, okay, then I had to wait. That's why there's a note in my notes that says feathers, question mark. So I yeah. want to hear... I'm so excited yeah. to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Alright. So there's feathers yes. symbolism in this series a lot. Correct. This might be the first time. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. I don't remember. Past. And I went back a little bit, but not all the way through the beginning chapters through scenes that seemed like they would have feathers and they didn't, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then there's white feathers. Okay. The white feathers are pretty much always associated with the curse breaking. Okay. When Karina's curse breaks, there's white feathers. Then when Momiji and Hiro have it happen later on, there's white feathers. Okay. And then there's also, in the little flashback of when Akito was first conceived and all the kids woke up crying, there's some white feathers in that scene, too. So there's a lot of, like, curse-related stuff with the white feathers. All right. And then there's black feathers. Okay. And this is actually kind of an outlier, this one. Okay. Because the black feathers show up when Uo's first being beat up by the gang right before Kyoko shows up. I think the first shows up in actually in the last chapter and we just didn't talk about it. 
um, where she stands, she just stands and she's like, I joined the gang life. Hold on, oh, yeah, there's a picture of, like, her in her jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um... Except that, like, why yeah. is it so easy to turn bad scene? Correct. There's the black feathers. Yes. All right, so there's those ones. Then they show up in Hana's backstory when she, quote-unquote, almost kills the boy. Okay. Yeah, when she curses him. And they him. show up kind of in Ayame's memory, coming up here soon, where he kind of remembers, like, shitty things he did. But they're kind of black and white, and they're kind of smaller than they usually are, so I don't know if that's necessarily the same kind of symbolism. Okay. Um, but they kind of flutter through his memories, especially over Baby Yuki. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, anyway, baby, Yuki, other than baby, these Yuki. Ones, <laughs> baby, baby, Yuki. Um, yes. Okay. Other than anyway, these ones. So other than these ones, they're pretty much always associated with Akito. Interesting. Yeah. Like pretty much constantly after those couple I said, it's all Akito all the time. Okay. Ones I saw, I might've missed some. I kind of skimmed through every single volume because I was like, I've seen these a lot. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot. Um, yeah. The first time I noticed some is at the beach episode when Akito first like says that he wants she wants uh, we're in the spoilers yeah that we she wants we want uh, now. <laughs> that she wants kyo brought to her to talk to him okay they're like all Scary. in the background when when akito is there in that scene and that's like right after um they meet rin and Tora's like oh if rin's the horse the only ones left is the rooster does that mean akito is and it kind of goes into that scene mm-hmm. um and then it shows up uh both of the times Akito is nearly kills Rin. Great. <laughs> Shows up when uh, she pushes her out the window and when she finds her stealing the box. Okay. Yes. Yep. And then it shows up a lot during the confrontation Akito has with Rin. Okay. And then it shows up when she stabs Kareno. Yes. And then it shows up when she meets up with Toru in the woods and she's having a freak out. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Those are all the ones I saw. Interesting. So black feathers are really strongly associated with Akito, and a lot of times, negative, really stuff. awful stuff with Akito. Interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on why you think that is? I mean, overall, there seems to be kind of a theme of change. Correct. With the feathers, kind of going with our earlier discussion. I did think about adding it, but I wasn't really sure. Yeah, but I'm kind of or like a turning point, maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Especially with the black feathers, because it's not really, like... Because the white feathers are, like, curse-breaking and stuff, so it's almost a positive change. Yeah. Black feathers... I mean, like, bad shit goes down in Uri's gang, right? Yeah. So, I... If it's something, like... So, it was Akito... So, it was all those times with Akito doing shitty stuff, essentially, right? Pretty much, I'm trying to remember yeah. your list. Okay. <laughs> and then And then also, Yame remembering some shitty stuff, but also kind of interlaced with, like, curse stuff. Maybe just mm-hmm. the symbolism wasn't set at that point. Or, like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe just, yeah. Yeah, it could have just been, like, these black feathers are dramatic. Yes. But. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, I mean, you have to, you have to choose a texture. <laughs> like, you have yeah. to. Somebody made that choice, and they used it twice in this, mm-hmm. ser- this these chapters with uh, Uo. Hold on. It's, like, uh, that one scene I just, we talked about. And then it's when they're, yeah, when they're beating her up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you feel like there's a symbologic, symbological? <laughs> Symbolic, symbolic, kind of... symbolic link between them, or I don't know, or say what you were gonna say. I, I was gonna say it could be kind of like, also just sort of a low point in general, because a lot of times mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's a keto doing something shitty, but a lot of times when a keto does something shitty, it's because she's having a freak out. Yeah, like, something bad is <laughs> going down in there. So sure. definitely, like, I can't remember exactly, but I think like at the beach there was, like, I can't remember what led to it, but something kind of 
led to her going wanting deciding to talk to Kyo, which is obviously not a thing that happens very often with them. Yeah. I and then both of the Rin thing was yeah yeah I can't remember right now but uh, and then both of the things with Rin was you know Rin hitting a bad trigger point for Akito there yeah and then obviously with Ren yeah <laughs> it's just it's Ren um, yeah <laughs> with Ren it was Ren Ren is just, <laughs> Ren is just a, a solid human low point for Akito <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's something about it that's like, I wonder if black feathers are a symbol for something in general. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if there's like a specific bird that it would be associated with or something mm-hmm. like that to reach for something like, I don't know, like, cause birds are often like, there's specific ones that are kind of like bad omens, right? Like, uh, like a raven or something yeah. that's black. I can't think of something off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Mm, yeah. But it does seem to certainly be associated with things going to a bad space. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, specifically kind of mentally. Like, all those times that Akito's doing stuff, Akito is not, like, especially stabbing Kareno and sometimes the stuff with Rin. Like, Akito's kind of in, like, a rage or, like, in some kind of, um, like, I don't, almost like an altered mental state. Mm-hmm. And then in this case, we're seeing Arisa, uh, like, oh, she's really depressed going in this kind of like downward spiral and Mm -hmm. it's i mean maybe in the first usage of this that as symbolism it's like foreshadowing that and then when she leaves the gang it's kind of really like the the lowest point for her like that's the um i guess i kind of said that maybe her being in the house and like laying on the thing with her hands resting her hands and stuff was her lowest point but i guess like i don't know by then she's already decided that she wants to change but really it's like it's the most dangerous time for her Mm -hmm. i guess or something yeah yeah i don't know maybe it's just associated with being like super dangerous i don't know every time akito <laughs> in those scenes akito is like you know or like just associated with like physical violence in fact um let me see what happens after that one where she's it says that she would start fights and stuff mm-hmm. maybe it's just kind of hinting at that there's nothing specific like there's no scene of actual violence because then it goes into her talking about um kyoko and how mm-hmm. she there was someone that i there was someone I looked up to, and it was Kyoko-san. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's that. But I think in all those other times, it's like, what about Akito? Or about sorry, about Yuki and Ayame? There's also, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's kind of like his little. It's in like the next volume or the one right after it. Yeah, it is in the next volume. So I should have it right here. Oh, I... me too. Let me see. Yeah, it's just like when he has this. Because it's when they're like in the garden, in Yuki's garden, and they're talking and stuff. Oh, he has a chat in Yuki's garden. <laughs> no? Yeah, and he remembers oh, okay. like he remembers oh, both like stuff. seeing Yuki being, you know, treated horribly oh. by their mom, and then like also the like the girl he was a dick to in school and stuff. Yeah. And then there's like at the very end of that, there's kind of a panel, and it looks like uh, like feathers floating across, and there's like oh yeah, they're white feathers on a black though. panel, and then black feathers on a white panel with uh, baby Yuki. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. And they could be leaves, but they look really feathery to me. They do. It's hard and to tell. There's a lot of, like, leaves floating through scenes also in other ones. There so are. Time, when I was flipping through looking for them, I was like, is that feathers? No, I think those no, are leaves. Leaves. <laughs> leaves are definitely common, and there's, like, there's a, there's a <laughs> bunch of them. Um, I don't have a, a thesis about them, but... Yeah. Yeah, there's something about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the other ones are all clearly feathers, though. That one I debated on, but it was close enough that mm-hmm. I jotted it down. That is interesting. 
maybe it's just like something regretful or something that people you know mm-hmm. they're gonna be gonna be regretting <laughs> like i don't know it's interesting yeah it's definitely used in like a dark moment you could say for sure yeah it's definitely always like something bad is going down mm-hmm. when the black feathers are on the screen and often i feel like the speaker or like the not this whatever the person who's kind of the subject of what's going on is often the one who's doing the bad stuff so like uo you know, Uo going, joining this gang. She says, like, it's so easy to turn bad, and then it shows her, and then mm-hmm. there's the Black Feathers. And then Yuki, or Ayame saying that, you know, he didn't reach out to feeling bad about being such a dick to the girl and not reaching out to yeah. Yuki, and he's the one. And then Akito doing all this, like, crazy shit. Yeah, and, and even Hana, that. it's when she's when she thinks she hurt the boy yeah. in, like, elementary school or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It seems to be used thematically, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad I waited for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting call or call yeah. out to those things. So everyone send us your feather theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I expect essays by the yeah. end of next week. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's other ones too. Like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So- I wouldn't be surprised if I missed some because... There's probably, I don't know, it's hard to tell. There's, I feel like there's some white feathers in that scene with, like, the bird and the, you know, one of the birds. Yeah. Keto, I can think of. I do, it seems like white feathers are um, associated with the curse and definitely with it breaking yeah. like that. Because they're, like, they're all over the place during the scene when Kareno yeah. is talking about it. Which is kind of funny because it's almost like they're, like, like I don't know, diegetic feathers, like... Because the like sparrows fly off at for, at the beginning of the scenes, mm-hmm. so some some of the feathers are kind of like dropped from them, but then it becomes like the symbolic feathers. Energetic, a specific word for feathers that fall off or something. No, like when you have music in a scene, but it's like actually playing in the scene. Oh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I learned a new word. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like it does seem like that, but then yeah, it seems like it's the but it's more symbolic. I think yes. Yeah. Because it turns out that he's a bird. Which we yeah. didn't know until that point, I guess, technically. Yes. Well, he's no longer a bird. <laughs> yes. All right. En- enough talk about feathers. <laughs> I have um, I have a couple things. Small things. Mm-hmm. I think we also talked about this last time, but again, this is just uh, foreshadowing some more information that we're going to get later about Kyoko and her gang days and her relationship to Toru's dad. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he uh, Uo brought up why Toru speaks so formally, which is, of course, related to her wanting not... It didn't rub off on her from her dad, but from her wanting yeah. to emulate him to get her mom's mm-hmm. attention, right? Yeah. I was like, ooh, yeah, it got mentioned yeah. now. <laughs> I was really excited mm-hmm. about the drama. Yeah. yeah, and I also jotted down her telling Uo that some people came much closer to death leaving their gang. Mm-hmm. Yoko did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she had broken limbs and shit. Yes. Yeah, she was... In the hospital. <laughs> yes, she was. Ooh, it was okay. <laughs> like how Kyoko is like, I just scared off some kids and ran. <laughs> so not cool, <laughs> but it's really, I don't know, they find it funny. But yeah, yeah, Ooh got really lucky. She did. And Kyoko definitely was on the lesser, I mean, I think she got lucky that she didn't die, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was lucky to survive, but definitely. Not as well off as Ooh was. Mm-hmm. Um, those are Those are my only spoilers, really. This wrapped up mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, we got the, the introduction over the last two chapters, and the final one just kind of wrapped it up. Other than deep feather thoughts, did you have any other spoilers <laughs> to point out? Like, nope, I spent all my energy on feathers. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that with other stuff. Yeah. 
Next time we're talking about... <laughs> there's some school stuff, and then... Yeah, there's just some school stuff. I don't know how to describe it. There's two yeah. chapters that evol- involve school, so... Yeah, school stuff. <laughs> school time. It's been a while since we were at school. Yeah. Okay, great. Good. Great spoilers. I enjoyed the feather discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm interested... It is interesting. I wonder what that... I wonder, like, uh, what the intention is behind that, but... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bird symbolism. There's a lot of, like, leaves and flowers and stuff. Yeah. And Veruva. I did find out kind of the in-story origin of that flower that is associated with Akito. Oh, is it the one Shigeru gives her? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Sorry I ruined it. <laughs> no, I figured... I just I remembered we were talking about it early yeah, on. Yeah, I did a deep dive but... about flowers at that point. <laughs> just like you did one about feathers. Yeah, and you're like, I'm not sure it symbolizes. I was like, I'm not sure either. And then I was like reading through other chapters. I was like, oh, right, this is the flower from this scene. Yeah. So <laughs> There's like, I think, just like uh, embedded symbolism in it that it's like a specific type of flower that symbolizes romance. And then... But yeah, there's a lot of flowers and leaves and feathers and stuff that gets mm-hmm. floated through scenes in a symbolic way. Yes. <laughs> It's true. I found a lot of maple leaves while I was looking, too. <laughs> yeah, I think maple leaves are probably, like, I don't know, but I would assume that it's a symbol for, like, change. Like, often when things are another kind of symbol for change, right? Because they fall in, their, in the fall and they're red. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yuki gets mostly, uh, Yuki. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. they're mostly Yuki and Machi's thing. Yeah. I think it's all part of Yuki being, uh, you know, constantly living out that theme of changing and that one can change, right? Machi's a big part of that for him. We've talked about that before, too, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Nature and flowers and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so ends my, my theory about flowers. <laughs> Nature and flowers and shit. shit. Yeah, you heard what I said. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. Next time we're going to talk about chapters 40, 40, 42 and 43. <laughs> thank you. Yes, that's right. I wrote it in my notes that are right here. <laughs> We're talking about chapters 42 and 43. Yay. Yay. Okay. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm also excited. Bye. <laughs>